Hello listeners, it's Lewis. Just to let you know, we'll be taking the next couple of weeks off while we do a bit more editing. Uh, So feel free to like, subscribe, rate and review while we're gone. But we'll be back Wednesday, 1st of June. Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season two, episode six, starring the incredible, unforgettable, unforgettable, fancy talk, I mean... Nancy Walker! It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as we are every week, to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. How are we both doing? Yeah, it's nice and sunny today. I'm all right. How are you both? Good. Yeah, enjoying the sunshine. It's lovely. I was bopping around in my little oversized jumper, my <laughs> blue jeans, and my my white plimsolls with pop socks, feeling like a fun mama too. Just like <laughs> as long <laughs> as you went down, got my down oh, the park, <laughs> creeping on <laughs> the kids. I did my little. I did my little wiggly walk down the park. I got myself a coffee. Then remembered it was half term and there was kids everywhere, <laughs> so I turned around and went home. <laughs> Took my coffee was still warm when I got home. I was like, "That's enough." That means you at least power walked, so that's good. I did. Well, what are you meant to do in Plimsoll? They're so squishy. They're from Muji as well. It's not just air purifiers in there. It's a lifestyle. This week's episode is sponsored by Muji. I wish. Me too. Oh my god, we'd have so many nice, like, simple blouses and pens. Ooh, I haven't tried the pens. Oh, Muji do nice pens and good notebooks. Mm. I'm up for all of these things. (laughs) Muji, if you're listening. (laughs) Muji, give us some stuff. (laughs) We promise we'll be nice about it. We were just lovely. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) enough about our non-existent promotions. Uh, Jane, why don't you kick us off with a little production uh, information for this week's app? I will. Okay, so this episode was originally broadcast on the 28th of October, 1977. Ooh, almost. Not quite. Uh, It was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson and Don Hinckley and directed by Philip Casson. And Emma... What have you found out about Nancy Walker? Because I don't know about you, but I sort of struggled to get too much of a sense of her from this episode. Yeah, so Nancy Walker was an actress, comedian, and she was also a film and TV director. Funnily enough, uh, she was best known for being in the bounty ads for over 20 years. So (laughs) that was something that she did. Um, She was on Broadway during the 40s, 50s and early 60s. And from the 1970s, she's probably kind of reached her peak TV fame point. And she was on the Mary Tyler Moore show um, as Ida Morgenstern. And then she went on to be on uh, Rhoda. Yeah. Um, and then in the late 80s, she appeared as Sophie's sister, Angela, on Golden Girls. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I've seen her. Yeah. 
But she's done up to make it look like a really old lady. So Yeah, so essentially she's kind of, again, a bit like some of those stars that we had in the first series. She's appeared in several kind of American classic TV mm. shows. And then she also was in sort of films with Lucille Ball. And also she was in Girl Crazy with Judy <laughs> and Mickey. <laughs> I mean, she had that kind of... Uh, there's something about those gals Vibe. who are just sort of like, we're a triple yeah. threat and we smoke 20 a day. <laughs> In my head, obviously, I know it can't compare it to Judy Garden, but I feel like this was kind of would be how Judy's episode would play out in yeah, a weird I way. I had mean. that kind of vibe. There's a, yeah, there's an energy to it. I'd yeah. also like it noted for the record yeah. that for the first time this, <laughs> ever <laughs> in this, this season, I didn't bring up Judy Garden. <laughs> and even though I wanted to, I didn't. Because I knew yeah. it would be too much of my- I especially thought, like, obviously, we're going to discuss it later, but the bit that she does with Sweetums at Absolutely. the end, I could seriously yeah. see yeah. Judy I think doing the, that. I, yeah, not to jump ahead, but the... Her opening sketch is probably like the most TV type thing rather than necessarily like old school Hollywood glamour. But yeah, yeah, as you sort of get through the episode, I think you probably get a bit more of that. MGM star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I can do it all I and I will. All. I will yeah. because I'm medicated. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, she's she's kind of she's kind of interesting as a star persona because she did I guess like she obviously didn't particularly strike it big in the movies like they they cut her from her MGM contract so then she went to Broadway mm. and she definitely had a lot of success on Broadway but then I feel like obviously if you weren't around at that time and didn't see her in all of those shows you're you're going to know her from her TV sitcom work so it feels like her her actual star persona is probably quite split depending mm. on what you knew her from at the time. And then obviously now it's definitely yeah. the Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda mm. kind of stuff that's going to have that longevity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless mm. you are a, a person who regularly goes to theatre, you know, it's the equivalent of, you know, people, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like Zoe Wanamaker, for example, mm-hmm. like a person who doesn't really go to the theatre and be like oh it's the mum from my family whereas yeah. other people are like oh my god the Shakespearean actress Zoe Wanamaker you know <laughs> who had to like you yeah. know <laughs> who succumbed to a sitcom with Robert Lindsay <laughs> there was a rerun of my family on the other day and it had aged so poorly and I was like why are you showing this BBC it was, it was on honestly BBC. yeah it was honestly it was on about seven or eight o'clock like of, of a like Tuesday or Wednesday night or something and I was like you must have been able to find something else from the archives other than this terrible episode of my family why put the good life on again put to the manor born on <laughs> where's to the manor born oh god I love that show so much <laughs> <laughs> it's so like alarmingly cozy that show it's just like <laughs> uh, anyway let's jump into uh this week's episode um we kick off <laughs> with Nancy Walker being pinned down by an enormous mu- I was like have we cut like have they just been fighting <laughs> like do you know what I mean like what is the scenario that got Nancy Walker on the ground with a muppet's foot like on her back yeah i have no idea what the <laughs> what the alleged setup is for timmy monster to be <laughs> pinning nancy walker down <laughs> really really strange what does timmy monster keep doing in these people's dressing rooms <laughs> <laughs> get out 
It's not like he's a small muppet that can just slide in and out either. Like you'd, he's, you'd think you'd notice. He's like lumbered in there. Yeah, Nancy's trying to get ready. She's got her powder puff. She's like, she's like, ah! just fills the door. It's like that um, that little meme of um, Big Bird kicking down the door in that like dark hallway. Uh, have you seen that one, Emma? No. No, Emma's not very online. <laughs> Emma probably thought you weren't joking about Scooter. <laughs> oh, nice. oh, yeah. We had a little viral moment on our uh, Muppetsational that Twitter. That went crazy. We got mentioned in the Daily Mail. <laughs> we got mentioned in the Daily Mail. Which, what? You know, no, none of our paper of choice, by the way. I want to make that very explicitly clear. Yeah, I was fully not comfortable typing in Daily Mail. I really was like, oh, why am I doing this? <laughs> yes, thank you very much to our follower, Wings McCartney, at Wings McCartney, for uh, screenshotting it for us so none of us had to give additional views to the Daily Mail and for telling us because we didn't know. But the uh, yeah, the annoying thing had been that a few, well, actually, people had been responding to our original tweet, which was a play on the Maud Apatow nepotism baby <laughs> meme using Scooter and J.P. Gross. And some people genuinely believed that we had only just discovered that Scooter was a nepotism baby. Me, as a person who has held a... <laughs> had a long-standing <laughs> feud <laughs> with this Muppet. Of course I know! That's my whole reason for hating him! Anyway. There was also quite a um, heated argument that broke out between two users about what Scooter's paid. And I, honestly, every tweet, I was like, oh my goodness, this is getting hilarious. Get a job! <laughs> Get away from them! Like... And puppets. <laughs> I mean, I know we do anyway. a, literally a podcast on the Muppets, but like, get alive. <laughs> Go outside, touch some grass. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking oh. of green things that we're not currently near, how's that for a transition? <laughs> Interesting. <Kermit's> not here. <laughs> no, this is so crazy. Like, the fact that we've got an episode of The Muppet Show and the whole premise is that Kermit is not there. And that they're scrambling to try and make it work. I love it. I love it mm. as a, you know, it feels so world building and it means we get to spend more time with Fozzie. And we also get to see a bit more of backstage business with Scooter obviously being the main one that's helping him out. But also there's reference to the fact that there's like lighting guys and sound crew. And I don't know, like it just, it really feels like it's fleshing out the real world of the Muppet show rather than it just being... Number, bit of backstage business, mm. guest star, number, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, this is, this is real. Kermit's ill. Poor Kermit. It gave us such a nice amount of narrative propulsion. And obviously, once they landed on the idea, they just had, you know, it's, it's such a great jumping off point to be like, oh, so what could this mean for the show? Oh, what could we be doing backstage? Oh, we're going to have two sketches going on at once, which we will get to. I thought it was a really great idea. Yeah, I, I, it was such a nice, nice change. And it immediately gave me a sort of like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. Rather than, you know, it actually had that kind Narrative. of... Narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. you know, God, so many times in season one, we sat through just what felt like 25 non-connected minutes of television <laughs> featuring characters we knew. What did you make of it, Emma? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was so funny that Fozzie was literally like, what am I going to do? <laughs> the frog is sick. And... <laughs> kind of made it quite like 
meta as well as mm. well we'll probably discuss especially the bit where he came into the veterinarian's hospital at the dance sketch and he came through the door and he was like oh no and then yeah. like walked back off again like i loved that fozzy was i think maybe peak adorable peak fozzy he was yeah. so cute he was he just wanted to give him a big cuddle um, <laughs> he, he he felt like he was so embarrassed and so like i just want to go and hibernate and never come out again but also like but i've still got to get on with the show yeah because also i'm thinking about it now nobody else other than fozzy and scooter seem to have any kind of sense of like okay what do we need to do what would kermit normally do it's it's like um it's like a 30 rock episode where you know liz is not at the show and it's yes. either coming it's either you know pete having to run it or it's yeah, kenneth just, probably kenneth, yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah yeah i i I've really, we've spoken about it already quite a lot this season, but I really appreciate that they are trying to work more story in and mm. and make it more of a genuine TV show, TV sitcom as we know it, rather than just, I suppose, some sort of vaudeville type yeah. showcase for the Muppets and the Stars. It certainly makes our job more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, let's jump into the... <laughs> kaboom ourselves into the first number just explosions <laughs> absolutely crazy <laughs> <laughs> to the tune of night train yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was trying, it was so funny, when I was watching this, I was like, okay, so what period of time is this meant to be? And then I was like, okay, so they're going for a bit of a, like, southern... Civil war? What well, civil war vibe, yeah, but I think then... They were, I think they were Yankees, though, weren't yeah. they? I don't think they were Confederates. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were Yankees. <laughs> but then, then, then you had an aeroplane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, that made no sense. Where did that come from? <laughs> I love that uh, Emma's putting that history degree to good yeah. use. <laughs> Fun fact, there wouldn't be a plane then. <laughs> Didn't even cross my mind, Emma, so there we go. <laughs> so maybe they're Civil War reenactors. Yes. Which is why there's a plane. Yes, okay, I'll go okay. with that. Yeah. Can we go with that? Yeah, I'm happy with that. I like building further internal logic. I mean, Crazy Harry was having the time of his life. In his element. In his, he's like, my time to shine! <laughs> I found it very enjoyable. It was just, you know, who knew that large, like, sparkly stage explosions could be so intriguing and exciting. I feel like it did do something, the fact that they put it to the tune of Night Train. (laughs) I knew you were going to sing it. It just reminded me of those, like, fun fair things, you know, when you see in, like, you know that they've got, like, Toy Story 3 with, like, Bunny and Duck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, just, yeah, to shoot the... You'd be just shooting a, a target range. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean, because it had the... It was sort of like that funfair, because it was like the flat. Yeah. It did sort of feel like they would, like, pop down and then pop back up again. Oh, it I know was what like you mean. in, um, you know, at Portland's Emma, where they used to have the little water... Um, oh, yeah. Pistol, oh, yeah. So you'd knock things that. down. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, definitely America. Because it was done in that style. It did have that sort of, like... That would have been such a good escalation of the the thing if actually if you'd have pulled back and it had been some other Muppets, like, playing at at doing the... (laughs) Inception, (laughs) blam. Layers on layers on layers. Sorry, just mentioning Inception very, very briefly. I was, I'm, I'm working on a um, film festival at the moment that's all about mental health. It's for Mental Health Awareness Week, and so I asked Rich the other day, "Oh, what's the like? What's the first film that comes to mind if um I was to program something about grief?" I just wanted to see what he came up with, and he said Inception, like immediately. Man. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, that's an interesting choice." And he was like, "Yeah." He was like, literally so deadly seriously. He was like, "Well, you know, you don't get it on the first viewing, but once you've watched it like <laughs> 10, 15 times, dead it's what it's all about." a character that he's tra- What do you mean you don't get it the first time? It's like <laughs> honestly in hysterics i was like trying not to be like okay i was like well i won't be programming that also if you're still trying to think of uh uh movies to do about grief um maybe we do a lewis requests jackie showing and just yeah jackie is definitely uh definitely a legacy oh my god the only thing that i can feel that we both watched jade was remember when we saw fault in our stars and we had to eat cake yes. afterwards <laughs> I cannot believe you went and saw Fall I think it was free. Did we get it? Oh, for great. Free Lovely. Then yeah. I would have gone too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, yeah, we did. We were like both extremely depressed walking around Covent Garden and we were like, shall we get some cake? And then we went and ate cake. And this is before Emma had had her diagnosis. So it probably was not helpful, but it made us feel better momentarily. Adding another layer of dynamite to the ticking time bomb that was Emma's Civil War reenactment in her sugar. I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Pancreas? I have no idea. Is that right? Yes. Before my pancreas decided to give up. (laughs) Before Emma's pancreas got shot out of the sky by Crazy Harry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sorry, that was a, a segue about grief. Um, but uh... a segue now a segue about grief. <laughs> Emma, whenever I hear that music, I just think of Back to the Future. Yeah. It's the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Yeah. Playing it. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. When they when they do the first sort of pan around the um. The Enchantment Under the Sea dance, that's what the uh, the band is playing. Okay. Yeah. And you can Two just very different scenes. Crispin Glover <laughs> just uh, doing his like lame little like clicky bopping. <laughs> it's very cute. We're going to see the musical. Oh, are you? Yes, I have heard it is a stage spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like something that exists. Well, it <laughs> like... is. <laughs> like for a show that's called Back to the Future the Musical, nobody seems to be mentioning the songs. So <laughs> I think it's <laughs> We like that. I think it's just going to be, hey, look, it's that movie I love, but people are doing it in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some songs, maybe. (laughs) I think they do sing The Power of Love, so... At least there won't be an awkward encounter with me in a... Do you remember when we saw the Secret London thing? (laughs) That poor person tried to interact (laughs) You mean Secret Cinema? Oh, yeah, Emma and I went and did the Secret Cinema Back to the Future, which was really good. It was really good. But, um, yeah, a poor... Underpaid, by the way, uh, actor on that secret cinema thing tried to do some interaction with Emma, and Emma was just like, "Nope, nope, shop is closed, <laughs> not open for improv, <laughs> please. I am here to observe only." <laughs> 
I feel like you should have whipped out a little notebook and just been like, I'm taking notes. <laughs> no interaction. Oh, and part of the Muppet Theatre gets blown up, a la um, Muppet Vision 3D. Yeah, that is exactly what I thought when it happened. I was like, this is the, the prototype for what's to come in in Hollywood Studios. Yeah. I Again, though, with that, I really like that it brought it out into the world mm. of the Muppet Theatre. Because actually, when you think about it, that act would make no sense on stage. What is the, no. what is the audience? Like, are they just... Yeah, where is the audience? How do you stage that? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then that just makes it even more absurd that one of the cannonballs ends up in the theatre. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) I loved Fozzie backstage promising that he was going to give Nancy Walker a classy introduction. (laughs) (laughs) And Gonzo finally addressed uh, the problem we have brought up a few times of, um, what's happening on stage right now if we're all here? Yeah. I love that he asked that. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he told him that the audience was leaving, that was <laughs> hilarious. Oh. We got to see Zelda Rose sort of like pile back into her chair, like, oh, well, fine, I, guess I paid for a ticket. I was surprised that they all came back quite as willingly as they did. I thought there might have been a bit more like, oh, well, I've got up now. Do you really think yeah, I'm going to? We've got an evening down? off. Let's go. <laughs> Right, okay, I'm just going to move straight on to this. Why is Scooter selling magazines and how old is he? (laughs) Yeah. He's at school now? No, but I feel like this is a very American thing though, isn't it? Because they do the thing where they sell their like Girl Scout cookies and their like wrapping paper and (laughs) stuff. (laughs) I know, yeah, but it it wasn't so much about the I'm selling magazines to try and win a skateboard. Also, (laughs) hello 1978, (laughs) Um, I'm trying to win a skateboard. Um... It, it, I was just suddenly like, I've been thinking this is like some 20-something lazy, entitled, and now apparently he is a child, and now I feel bad. I think when I looked him up the other day, because of our tweet, I'll be honest, I was just, oh, I was just checking some things to make sure that we were like on solid ground. Um, And I think the suggestion is that he's meant to be about 14. So, All right. yeah. Okay, well, I can still, I can hate a 14-year-old. <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does seem a little bit strange to me that there's a 14-year-old that's, that's given quite a lot of responsibility. <laughs> it's the 70s, Jane. It's fine. And it's nepotism. <laughs> Leave the kids at home. Let them play on that farmland <laughs> in the industrial estate. Come home when the lamps come on. Like, the door is open. <laughs> I guess Scooter is like the real life Gary Valentine from Licorice Pizza, right? That's like, a reference just I like... do not get because I have not seen the movie yet. Oh, I have neither of you seen I Licorice have, Pizza. I've been very so busy. Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I saw the advert and I was like, eh. Like, I've already seen Almost Famous. Do you know what I mean? Haven't I basically seen this movie already? I, well. <laughs> If you want to just have a nice time for a couple of hours, Licorice Pizza is absolutely a film to do that with, I think. It is not like a top tier Paul Thomas Anderson film for me, but I perf- like I perfectly well enjoyed it. Anyway, back to the Muppets. Let's, uh, should we move on to um, Nancy's first, although I think they call it a number. No number occurs. It's a little sketch, yeah. isn't it? Emma, what did you think of this uh interaction it was quite cute it was it was funny in certain places the luncheon counter 
vibe gave me like Easter parade, you know, when she's kind of sat there. Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, but not really. <laughs> in that it takes place in a diner? Like, <laughs> I mean, might as well say it's like, oh, it reminds me just of Greece. <laughs> like... <laughs> I liked her interaction um, with Fozzie. I thought that was really good, but the monster was kind of a bit strange like it just sat there in the corner and then it wasn't until it started eating the glasses and the picture and everything that it started getting a little bit weird it was quite nice to see Swedish chef I thought out of like context of his normal kind of sketches yeah. and um that was quite funny to see and then they started fighting and then obviously she kind of started to tear up things and eat a bit of glass and then the bit where she tries to eat the counter which was hilarious because obviously it cut away and then she was given some obviously like chocolate coated bread or something to like pretend she was eating it was the wooden so counter. I know. Yeah. <laughs> It just was only bending in the middle. Yeah. It reminded me of when Dr. Bunsen had been tenderizing things and it was all like uh, yeah. gooey. <laughs> it was an interesting one. It sort of, once you got the bit, it kind of dragged a little, but then the absurdity just kept curving upwards. You know, so then we're watching yeah. Star of Stage and Screen, Nancy Walker bite into a piece of a bar. <laughs> That eventual punchline of her also joining in with eating everything, I was like, okay, this makes sense to me in a Muppet world and in a, mm. you know, in that sense of escalation and absurdity. Before that, when it just, you know, you had essentially the repeated gag each time of her and Fozzie looking away and then the monster eating whatever it was. Mm. And that just felt like it went on for too long. And also like the pace of it was just so slow compared to what we'd expect now from a from a sketch. Like it felt like you could have easily probably halved the sketch and still had exactly the same impact and effect. And that the payoff at the end of her eating the counter and everything would have still been just as funny, if not actually funnier. Mm. The sketch still needs to have that sense of like internal logic. And the fact that it's called Luncheon Counter Monster, um, the, the monster in the corner, literally named after this sketch. And Dave Goals was puppeteering. But like that monster was making so much noise eating all that glass. And they were like completely non, none the wiser about it. They yeah. were the entire half a smashed jug on the counter. And they were like, where's it gone? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, the internal logic was frustrating. And I could see like clearly Fozzie had sort of bopped out of shots and then the lunch encounter monster could bite into the jug and then, you know, smash it and eat it. And clearly the jug smashed more than the puppeteer had anticipated and it frantically tried to like push all these bits into their mouth. But yeah, it just, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I, I, I like, I can't help but feel a little bit like Nancy Walker probably had more to give than this mm. sketch yeah. let her do basically i liked her slight kind of uh fran Leibovitz energy like <laughs> <laughs> you go to a you go to a counter you want to have a drink and there's no glass and the guy next to you he eats it <laughs> I d you're right my scorsese like sitting just out of shot like juggling away like just giggling <laughs> yeah yeah you're right and especially when she had that line about the air conditioning <laughs> Because she'd lost her scarf. Yes, yeah, cold, isn't it? <laughs> I know, it was like, oh, it's chilly. And you're like, where's this come from? <laughs> yeah. 
just a fun fact about this little sketch as well. This is actually the first time that Swedish chef has been seen outside of a Swedish chef segment. So it's the first time he's oh. left the kitchen, even though he's in a different kitchen. Although still in yeah. a kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a different kitchen. Oh, well, nice for him to get out of the house. <laughs> and then before we move back to the backstage bit, we get the cute little Stutler and Waldorf button, which is... <laughs> They say that she's a great actress, but they wouldn't want to take her to dinner, which just oh, yeah. a perfect Stadler <laughs> yeah. and Waldorf on the end of a of a sketch. I liked it. I mean, more of the backstage business of just uh, Gonzo running around with Fozzie and then Piggy coming in was great. Gonzo's, um, all right, all right. I really appreciate just making everything worse. Is this when we have Piggy on the phone? Yeah, so it starts with Gonzo yeah. on the phone. <laughs> He's like, oh. he tells Kermit, like, those holes in the theatre will be easy to fix. <laughs> and, yeah. then he, and then he also is like, you should have seen the way that Fozzie got the audience to come back. <laughs> it's just, it is, it's just comedy gold. And I don't think Gonzo is quite 100% there yet, but I did, I like, it felt very Gonzo, all of his little bits this episode yeah and yeah when we get to piggy on the phone as well i don't feel we've seen well obviously because kermit's been there but we haven't seen that much of that kind of interaction between them yet i don't think i don't Mm. know what you both think yeah no i agree i thought it was quite cute and the fact she was like i'm gonna dedicate this next sketch to you (laughs) (laughs) you're just like oh piggy (laughs) such a like jenna maroney thing to do (laughs) yeah She also did a little moi on the phone. And then when she hung up on him, she also said au revoir, which I was like, I don't know. It all felt very, very mature piggy, just in the sense of, yeah, she's talking French when she wants to, basically. That's (laughs) that's what she does. I mean, all of the backstage bits felt really smooth and seamless and the characters were all there, like as in they were all behaving as we expect them to behave. It felt it felt really good. And this, I mean, this backstage stuff setting up a kind of pretty great at the veterinarian's hospital <laughs> dance. You know, it was I. I really, really appreciated this because uh, I think it was just such a. It's that thing of you as the audience know we have at the dance in our roster, and we have veterinarian's hospital on a roster so your familiarity with them both means that we can just slap them on top of each other and just purely the sight of piggy janice and rolf at the operating table while these three couples like bop confusedly around them it's just so great the little chandeliers hanging down and just i mean and then when rolf and janice just started dancing together as well because they were like yeah it was a beautiful thing (laughs) and then piggy got phantomed (laughs) Oh my god, that was so funny. (laughs) She got chandeliered. (laughs) I really appreciated it too because it felt like them just playing with it and Mm. and having fun. But also, I suppose the underlying sense of both of those skits is that they're predicated on puns and Mm. one-liners. So actually, they are quite a natural fit to go together because you're not trying to shoehorn either one into something that's actually meant to have a little bit of narrative or is a song or a more choreographed dance than just Muppets bopping around like they do it at the dance. Mm. Despite 
Fozzie thinking he ruined it, it actually worked perfectly and it definitely didn't make me groan in the same way that I normally would when, when that chandelier and those strings, is it strings we normally hear first? <laughs> I guess you want... Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I think it's probably my favourite at the dance sketch. Yeah, I think you're right. That's because Dr. Bob was there. <laughs> <laughs> The the one line that I did actually think was half decent was the one around the malady lingers on. <laughs> now, like... see, that one I found protracted, whereas the uh, the Foxtrot one I really liked and uh, what was the other one I really appreciated? Uh, rumbatism. Rumbatism! <laughs> <laughs> I got a touch of the rumbatism. <laughs> oh, Yeah. And then, and then Emma, what you said earlier about Fozzie poking his head through the door as well. Yeah. That was really cool because, I again, we don't really ever see that no. line blurring between mm. backstage and on stage unless it's that sort of Ethel Merman start in the back, move on stage mm. or, you know, head it with Milton Bell as well, didn't we? Uncle but Milty. this was actually a Muppet checking in on what's going on on stage. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah, it was really good. I loved that bit, actually. Now, question... Who the hell is this old man in the UK spot? Burlington Bertie. Oh, he's back again. He's back. How did you not recognise him? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I did wonder for a moment. I was, I did think that and then I stopped caring. Because then I just started thinking when uh, Statler and Waldorf started joining in with him for the number. What was the song called, by the way? Mild Dutch. Dutch. Because that one word I could not hear the entire time during the song. It's like, Mild Mel? I was like, what's her name? Mal? Like, but um, when Statler and Waldorf started uh, joining in, I got the vibe of the, um, you know, the, the, the bankers from Mary Poppins. Like yes. the fidelity <laughs> fiduciary bank. <laughs> Just, like, that's all I could think. I've got a pal, a regular out and outer. She's a dear good old gal, and I'll tell you all about her. It's many years since first we met. Her hair was then as black as jet. It's whiter now, but she don't fret. Not my old gal. We've been together now for 40 years, and it don't seem a day too much. Ah, there ain't a lady living in the land as I'd swap for my dear old Dutch. I thoroughly enjoyed Waldorf's lilac handkerchief. <gasps> oh, this reminds was... me, I really want to look up. Either of you familiar with. Uh, the hanky code. Oh, kind of. So it's a like old timey homosexual thing. Gather round, children. Where uh, <laughs> a, a gay man would put a hanky of a certain color uh, color in their back pocket to indicate what they were into sexually. So I thought it would be fun to Google what Stutter and Waldorf's uh, hankies codes would right. mean for them. While you do that, I'm going to tell you a little bit of fun fact about My Old Dutch. Uh, Go for it. So it was an old musical song by Albert Chevalier. And there's been lots of talk over the years about what My Old Dutch refers to. And there was quite a few th- schools of thought that it was a rhyming slang to refer to his wife. But apparently what it actually was in reference to was that he thought his wife's face looked like the clock face of a Dutch clock, which was why it's called My Old Dutch. Wow. I was going to say, is it related to a boat? But... (laughs) 
believe <laughs> that he thought his wife's face looked like a clock. And then he was like, I'm going to write about that and make it into a very famous song. What? How random is that? So weird. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, so... Um... Are we going to need to put a warning on this episode, Lewis? No, no more so. Well, you'll see. Um, so, um, Great. I'm trying to remember... It was... Was it... Waldorf... Statler's was like a beigey brownie colour. Yeah, I sort of wrote down mustard for his. Yeah, mustard. Uh, and then so for the lavender was one, the, lavender. The, yeah, the lavender one that... Uh, Waldorf... No. Waldorf. Waldorf was yeah, holding. Yeah, Waldorf. Um, that is that he uh, likes drag queens or is a drag queen. So... I think that's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the mustard one... Um, <laughs> Is depending on what, oh my god, depending <laughs> on what side uh, Statler would be wearing it. Um, if he was wearing it in his back left pocket, that means that Statler is uh, well endowed, over eight inches. <laughs> if you're on his right, he is uh, actively seeking a man who is well endowed and over eight inches. <laughs> bright red which i didn't think was possible <laughs> uh, I just suddenly it's because i was having to click on another screen to uh, see what i was reading and i click back and i just saw emma's eyes just like <laughs> so there you go uh waldorf is either a drag queen or likes drag queens sexually likes and, drag queens or, i think and statler is either hung or looking for hung so Probably had a great time when Uncle Milty was there. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> that's my professional broadcasting career over. So, should we move on? <laughs> There's really nowhere to go. I don't know what. <laughs> I can take us into the. I haven't got a good segue or anything, but uh... I'm kind of just like looking at some of the other hankies now, just like, good God. <laughs> Oh, what colour? I'm trying to think of... Oh! Wow, I should really think about that. I was thinking, what do, like, I have a couple of hankies, and I'm just wondering what I'm signifying when I'm wearing them. <laughs> huh. Oh, there's one that says it's... Uh, I could be... It's indicating that I'm a flight attendant. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Salted nuts. <laughs> Hot towel. <laughs> right, sorry, bird song. <laughs> Talking of big cocks... Oh god. <laughs> this was bananas. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I found it quite terrifying. It was scary as hell. Like, but I loved it. It was so because I thought it was just gonna be so twee and boring. Yeah. And then a fucking massive bird kicks through the door <laughs> and puts him in a cage. A bird cage. Really, really 
really great because it had that, like you said, it was sort of twee and sweet to start and you had all the different birds and, you know, the woodpecker and the, the little chicken and the duck and all of those sort of like crazy looking birds came and yeah. sang their song and <laughs> it was very tuneful and nice and you're sort of thinking... Where is this going? What What's going to happen? And then at the same time, not being surprised, because sometimes with The Muppet Show, with these musical numbers, they don't go anywhere. No, exactly. It could have just been this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden, Harvey Corman's chicken suit comes out to play. Uh. <laughs> and it causes complete devastation to that man's house. <laughs> Trauma. Not since Tippy Hedron has someone been so... <laughs> Traumatised by birds. And Kate McKinnon. <laughs> birds. So you just gently whisper birds. <laughs> the birds. They just birded a man to death. Oh no. They set fire to the gas station. <laughs> oh no. One of the birds has got a glass cutter. He's got a knife. <laughs> Please do something. The birds weren't raised right. <laughs> I've watched that sketch a lot. <laughs> just gonna ask you are you done <laughs> yeah i'm done thank you <laughs> emma what did you think of the birds <laughs> terrifying <laughs> just very very bizarre i did want when it sort of started up i was like okay like you were saying jade it was quite cute seeing all the different birds turn up and then as soon as that whoever it was in that chicken i seat, think it was richard hunt but i'm not 100 uh, percent okay. sure it was harvey corman yeah yeah he was back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Harvey Corman yeah. would have wanted the 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 face. <laughs> been like, you will show me. <laughs> but when when he like burst through the wall, I was like, what is happening? And then like grabbed that poor little muppet and shoved him in the cage. I was like, okay, this has taken a sinister turn. That poor little muppet guy looked so happy through so much of it. Every time he kept turning back, like he was amazed. I mean, you would be if that many birds turned up on your windowsill <laughs> and started singing. <laughs> just, I love you just like defending and justifying this Muppet's behaviour. Well, you would be. Of course you would. There's seven birds just like standing on his windowsill. Look, They're just singing. As of course someone you'd be who is genuinely amazed every time the birds come in the garden, not the pigeons, like the decent birds. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> you're a run of a little pigeon. No, I get, I, I'm like, why are you in my garden, pigeon? Leave, please leave. But you know, when the, when the blue tits and the grey tits and the long-tailed tits and everything turn up, I'm like, this is delightful. Yeah, look at all those and, tits. <laughs> and then if Harvey Corman, or maybe not Harvey Corman, turned up and busted through my birded through wall, your wall, birded through <laughs> my wall. It just made, it's exactly the sort of thing that we say when we get those particularly insipid musical numbers or just boring ones, like the, the silly gingerbread man thing. Where yes, you're just exactly. like, I just want something crazy to happen. And yeah. this it, gave it us... Happened. It did. You know, think how much better that gingerbread man sketch would have been had they, uh, some Muppet kids come on and eaten a gingerbread man to death, you know. Or even... Eated him. Even the... <laughs> The giant chicken come and peck them to death. Even, like, that would have yeah, still been fine. Look, they've got that suit there in storage. Use, use it. it. <laughs> use it. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Just to the point when the sketch was getting a bit boring, then boom, hi. <laughs> like, the other thing I have to say is that the little Muppet Man was so much less creepy than any of the, like, humanoid Muppets that we had in season one as well. And I yes. really appreciated that because he was just sort of, like, fine. 
He was just a totally yeah. fine Muppet. Nothing scary. It's going to be that he is going to be traumatised after this. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't see how he couldn't get out of that cage. <laughs> it's just a lifting cage. No. I also really love that you saw at the end that the little canary was sat in the seat reading. So it was literally yeah. like the complete role reversal. It's just a, ni- a nice touch. It was. And then we, so we go from complete anarchy to um, a nice little backstage moment with Nancy and Fozzie, which was just very sweet. And actually, the first time we'd seen Nancy in about 10 minutes. I was sort of thinking when we had the bird sketch, I was like, where is Nancy? Because also that felt like maybe she could have been in that in some capacity. And then I was obviously relieved when we then did get Nancy with Fozzie in the next, in the next little bit. But this episode, one of the things that I really felt about it is that there seemed to be huge stretch without any Nancy. Mm. Like it was very, it mm. was very odd that she wasn't sort of more peppered yeah. throughout rather than it felt very back end yes. heavy we for all? the episode. But, um, <laughs> What does that even mean? What am I saying? I don't know. What colour hanky do you need for that, Lewis? <laughs> what, I don't, if, you, if you're trying to say, has a fat ass, Jade, I don't think you need the hanky to indicate it. The butt will already indicate it. That's like putting a hat on a hat. Maybe maybe it has a preference for fat asses. I don't know. Let me see if there's a colour that says that. Emma's just shaking her head. Where's she gone? Here we go. Wow. Do you know what? There is not anything that specifies I like big butts and I cannot lie. Maybe as you said, it was, it, it didn't it's, need it's to be given. said. It's a yeah. given. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's never somebody saying, I would like a really flat butt, please. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not high on the list of uh, <laughs> things being requested. Anyway, back to Nancy Walker. Um, <laughs> what is this song called? It's called Pick Yourself Up and it's from Swing Time. Um, oh, which is the Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers musical. Mm. And actually, as I'm sure lots of people know, it's the first of two Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers numbers because They Can't Take That Away From Me is also a Astaire and Rogers. So yeah, this is a Jerome Kern and Dorothy Fields music and lyrics. You know what I do when things don't go right? No. Nothing's impossible, I have found. But when my chin is on the ground, I pick myself up, dust myself off, and start all over again. Yeah. Ah, don't lose your confidence. If you slip, just be grateful for a pleasant trip and pick yourself up and dust yourself off and start all over again thank you thank you miss walker i i I feel terrific now well i'm glad you're happy yeah well listen Hmm. that's just a song it shows in a lot of trouble the whole interaction was very sweet and i also like that you did get to see a little bit of Nancy's character mm. with her teasing Fozzie and with her messing around. And I thought he was so cute and so sad and so embarrassed the whole way through. But she did a really, really nice job of, I suppose, playing along that line of 
being a little bit a little bit harsh and a little bit silly and poking him while he's down, but also genuinely trying to cheer him up. Yeah, it was very sweet. And then just a little button on the end of her just being, I don't know, it's a song. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Emma, what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was really sweet. A bit like you said, Jade, it was nice to see a little bit of Nancy's personality because I think before that, to be honest, I literally had no idea what she was like as a person mm. or even when she, as she would like maybe portray like a character in a scene or something. So I think we needed that just so... Because I was thinking especially, you know, some of the audience in the UK might not even be aware of who she is. Um, I think the Mary Tyler Moore show is being shown over here. I think so. Yeah, I would imagine it was shown. I don't know whether... I don't know how big it would have been. Yeah. Because I guess we would have had our own... 70s shows i don't know that's that is a genuine question i don't i don't know i think they um, did show it no i think they would have shown it but oh, I guess right. it's oh, like how big a star yeah. how bigger how big a show mm. it would have been and how how big a star she would have been. it always mm. interests me as well when you have guests like that that aren't so sort of possibly well known in the uk like the fact that they actually came over to england to film the muppet show and whoever was the booker on the show kind of i'd i'd love to know how or who thought of who was going to be on each episode or each season because there was an eclectic mix of people (laughs) Mm. well wasn't there certain occasions where it was just this person is going to be over in the uk at this time so i think there probably Mm. were some elements of that i think with this one like obviously she was on rhoda with valerie harper i reckon valerie harper just probably said I had a really great time. You should go do it. Yeah. Like, yeah just so... On set between takes, both smoking. I just did this thing called the Muppets. <laughs> I don't know. I had a nice time. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of that to come where it's either like co-stars or people mm. who know each other or mm. whatever. That, that you're sort of like, oh, I'm guessing you got in touch with so-and-so and they said, go do the Muppets. So, yeah. We get a nice little address from Sam the Eagle yes, again. Yes, he's back. Oh, yeah, he's back. <laughs> About nudity. <laughs> At the moment he started, I immediately thought, aren't you standing there yep. naked? <laughs> and I'm yeah. glad it was addressed. <laughs> I just loved that it also kept it so family friendly with him being appalled by nudity. It wasn't about... <laughs> smutty films or i don't know the increased uh, increased nudity in films or tv or anything it's those two perverts up in the yeah. box with their hankies, <laughs> with their hankies. <laughs> no it was just about the fact that he doesn't like the fact that underneath people's clothes were all naked underneath our clothes and yeah it's quite funny that they actually address the fact that most i don't know if it's most but a lot of muppets are naked it's quite interesting yeah. that they actually I know they made that joke in season one, didn't they? But this this feels very pointed. He's doing an address about nudity and calling it out in this way. It's always an odd one, isn't it? I mean, we won't we we shan't rehash no, the discussion. We won't go over it again. Go go go! Listen to that brief, <laughs> more eloquent discussion than whatever the hell I'm doing right now. Uh, I really loved though when he when he had that moment of the penny dropping. His eyes went so shifty, oh, yes. and he like was so cute with his little wings trying to cover himself up and shuffle off the stage. And the puppeteering from Frank Oz was just divine. It was so so good because it still felt so Sam the Eagerly, but. It, like he had a vulnerability that he quite often does not have. <laughs> a vulnerability. He did yeah, though. He did, That's did. what it like. No, he did. No, I just love. I just like like having a vulnerable Sam. I think it's very cute. 
Yeah. Um, in this uh, scene with Piggy and Nancy, they they reference uh, the mother role that she plays. Was she playing a mother on yeah, so, Mary Tyler Moore then? Yeah, so Ida Morgenstern was Rhoda's mother. So it's why, so I think she was only ah. on the Mary Tyler Moore show like intermittently, but then she was recurring slash main cast on Rhoda because she was her mum. Yeah. So I've only seen, actually, since we last chatted about um, uh, mm. Valerie Harper, I did actually watch an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, uh, it's quite a sort of infamous episode where uh, a clown dies in a parade by being trampled on by an elephant. And they, I, it, it, but it's funny. I trust it. Like, you don't see it. You just hear about it because they're covering it on the news. And um, they go to the funeral and uh, Mary has been sort of really angry at all her colleagues for like making these jokes about the clown that died. And then she starts laughing at the funeral. And it's it's just like one of these apparently like mm-hmm. seminal uh, American television moments. And it's really good. And it's all on YouTube. Thank you to Gio, one of our listeners who uh, pointed me towards that and often sends me just links to <laughs> like 1970s television <laughs> that I can <laughs> watch and enjoy. But um, it's a very, I th- it's like, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but just type in my like, dead clown, Mary Tyler <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, what I meant is that uh, Nancy Walker didn't uh, appear in she, that one. I'm not, and I don't know exactly what the other two shows were, but I did read on Wikipedia that in 1977, she'd had two other shows that she tried to get off the ground. One I think might have been called something like the Nancy Walker Show, but anyway, they both got cancelled. Why'd you off. call it that? Yeah, <laughs> well, Fozzie would not know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they both got cancelled after one season. So the Wikipedia is like making her one of the few stars to have two shows cancelled in the same season. <laughs> I was like, ouch. But yeah. <laughs> So I would imagine she was probably a sort of mother figure in both of those as well. And they'd obviously been on around the time that this was mm. on the air. Um, Piggy just high atting the telephone away <laughs> so that the telephone cord actually snaps off of the receiver <laughs> was great. Fantastic. <laughs> and even after she slams the door, you just hear one more sort of frustrated exhale from her as she trots yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> that scream at the end was hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I feel like with both of them, with both Fozzie and with Piggy, Nancy really sold those interactions. And yes, yeah, they were very different tonally, but it all still felt in keeping. And her giving that that advice to Kermit about like plenty of liquids and get to your bed with the the heated blanket turned all the way up and all of that. Like again, you got a bit of a sense of her mm. in a very, very short space of time. It wasn't it wasn't overdone at all. Have either of you ever used an electric blanket? No. Emma, you'd be too anxious to use an electric blanket. I was gonna say when she was saying that, I was like, this is just an explosion waiting to happen. <laughs> Especially a nineteen seventies electric blanket. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've got a thing that I sometimes take on holiday that's like, it goes around my neck and that heats up. Oh, cool. Yeah. What, for the plane? No, it, like you have to plug it in. So um, oh. I... I... <laughs> You're looking for a socket in the yeah. plane. <laughs> Anybody got a socket? No, I normally... So uh, like, well, this is very boring, but I have lots of problems with my neck and back. Um, So I oh. usually go to sleep with a, like a, um one of those things that's got like rice and bits in it that you heat up in the microwave but obviously not everywhere has a microwave when you go away so I got one that I um I guess it's quite similar to an electric blanket but it just wraps around my neck that's cool yeah Yeah. 
It's good. So, just why do I? I would be the same as Emma though. Like I'd be quite scared to. I assume they must go off. My neck thing goes off after a certain length of time. It just switches itself off. Yeah, they do switch itself. Yeah, they must do. Although, again, I don't think the 1970s version had a self-timer on it. (laughs) It turns off when you're cooked. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that poor Kermit is like just just a little baked frog. (laughs) (laughs) So we go from Miss Piggy Hi Yang the phone um to uh Fozzie's introduction of uh Nancy and obviously his bit with Gonzo where he's like don't forget her name don't forget her name and then he's like rhymes with fancy talker and that was quite funny it was and then we get the sort of end song and dance with Nancy and Sweetums which is super cute I love the fact that they're both in suits they had some really lovely interactions with each other they had their little dances and it was kind of like a bit of a chaotic tap vibe going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wear your hat. The way you sip your tea. The way you smile, just be. <laughs> the way you sing, off key. The way you want my dreams. Now, now, they can't take that away from me. I was so impressed by the well-choreographed yeah. chaos. Mm. You know, like, you know, actually, weirdly, like, for example, Jade, on the Valerie Harper mm. episode, when you were sort of complaining that it felt all a bit too rough and ready and yes. like faux yeah. messy. Yeah. This was immaculately no, done. Totally. It was so, and, and kind of mad when you consider there's somebody in that enormous yeah. Sweetums outfit. Who is playing Sweetums? This is where I definitely got like the Judy vibes from. Yeah, you could see her being like tossed around by Sweetums. That'd be really cool. She was a very small, Judy. She's so tiny. Richard Hunt was puppeteering Sweetums, and yeah, you're right. I hadn't considered comparing it to the Valerie Harper Clodhoppers number, but you're totally right that actually, the one that I kept thinking that this felt sort of similar to, although a bit toned down compared to, was the Ruth Buzzy number with Sweetums. I think this is the the best version. Yeah, it's mm. kind of like slightly messy, yeah. but well danced. Yeah piece maybe not since um oh but and uh yeah connie stevens connie stevens connie stevens how could you forget connie <laughs> stevens i don't know <laughs> yeah no you're you're absolutely right it was so well choreographed and it felt like a really natural fit between them and mm. like playing on that idea of height with her being so little and him being so big um both of them dancing but they'd they'd choreographed it in such a way that it didn't feel so simple, even though obviously Sweetums can only do so much. But yeah, there was just a sort of elegance and mm. like ease to it that just felt really lovely, really Hollywood. Charming. Just, yeah, really charming. Really charming. I really want a tail suit. Get one. <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> I don't know when you're going to wear it, but you can get one. Jade. (laughs) 
<laughs> what if I ever had a situation dictate what I'm going to wear? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you're not going to turn up just like down the pub in that, are you? How dare you think I go to a pub? <laughs> You, you never go to any pubs. <laughs> I'm a cocktail burger. <laughs> no, I don't mind. I tried my first Guinness last weekend and I enjoyed it. <laughs> what a tangent. But, um, but I did. It was really nice. I texted dad and everything. <laughs> like, are you proud of me now, Papa? <laughs> did, you, did you send him a little video of you drinking it so he knew you weren't just lying? So I didn't because the first one I tried was a little, only a little half pint. <laughs> so I was like... Holding my little toy Guinness, like, <laughs> but then I liked it so much that when I was at the airport coming back from Dublin, I had a full pint before getting on a plane. <laughs> anyway, this dance was lovely. It was, it was really lovely. My only thing that I was a bit confused about was where the hell they were meant to be with these like Grecian Roman statues and a mosaic on the floor. And yeah, it was a bit, yeah, incongruous, yeah. but I suppose yeah. it's just trying to do that kind of, um, uh, oh god, which. Um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers uh, where they dance to heaven uh, dancing cheek to cheek where they're in sort of like oh, a it's top hat isn't it yes it is top hat which weird film but great numbers <laughs> the strangest um, studio set Venice that you have ever Venice seen Venice is hilarious it's more like it's a small world like it's just <laughs> it looks like Munchkin Land I was yeah. convinced I was like yeah. I think this might be Munchkin I Land because right. I think they're the same studio <laughs> and they br- it looked like some of it had like this you know like in The Wizard of Oz when they land in Munchkin Land and it has that little lake going through I was like I think this is freaking Venice. <laughs> like, I always think it just looks like a pool. That's like yeah. they think they think Venice is not in fact canals. It's just like lots of pools, a bit like the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's very a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, Top Hat's amazing. But I think when they do so. dancing cheek to cheek, I think they're in a almost uh, when they get into the big bit. I think they're in like surrounded by columns, or maybe there's a couple of statues behind the mm, foliage. Maybe I thought I they if it were was in just like trying to evoke. A... Um, not a gazebo, but like that, you know, like that kind of thing in a, oh no, maybe the, I'm think I'm getting confused. I'm getting confused. Don't worry. Yeah. It's because it's once they get to Venice. Venice. <laughs> <laughs> Done with the heaviest of, uh, <laughs> what do you call these? Air quotes. <laughs> Air qu- <laughs> I was like, bunny ears? Bunny ears. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I just, I like, it just didn't feel a hundred percent like. I was just confused yeah. as to why they were there. Nancy's a great mover, though. Mm. She was so sharp. She was. And obviously so was Sweetums, to be honest. And it did make me a bit sad that, like, I know she obviously had a little bit of a song with Pick Yourself Up with Fozzy, but I was a bit sad that she only got one big number like this. And but as... it was a very good big yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean, compared to the opening sketch, I would have rather she had another like song and dance routine even if it had been oh, i thought you were going to say to cut the explosions i was like jade no <laughs> no no her opening sketch in the diner oh yeah that one was too long yeah yeah i kept and to be fair i kept waiting for a song to start so that was very confusing for that first mm. apart from all that as well as all the glass eating so yeah i just feel like this version of they can't take that away from me was very lovely and i just sort of feel like it might have been quite nice to have another one even if it wasn't as quite as big and bold as this just uh, another little number from nancy would have been really nice that's true um any thoughts on the goodbyes 
Well, Kermit finally shows up with his ice on his head oh. and his little hospital gown on. I've always wanted to try one of those things. You know, you just have one of those rested on your head. It just feels so like old timey. Yeah. I love that he was meant to have been at home being sick, but he's still got a hospital gown on. It's like, okay. He commits to the bit. I liked that even in this resolution... The whole thing with Fozzie not being able to remember her name and then just losing it with Gonzo and Fancy Talker and just not even introducing her. That even with this, it finished with Kermit keeps sneezing and still not being able to say Nancy Walker and still not saying The Muppet Show. And it felt nice that it wasn't, oh, actually Kermit's back and everything's now under control. Mm. <laughs> it's still Muppety chaos because he can't even talk. He's still sneezing. Yeah, it's great. It was just a really good uh, closing of all those little narrative threads in what I think is just, well, I won't uh, give it away to it, but I just think a very, very solid bit of writing for The Muppet Show. Um, I will be very interested to see how each of us are going to rank the episode. But first, we must decide upon our MVMP, otherwise known as our most valued Muppet performer, Emma. When you kick us off. My MVMP for this episode is... Fozzy! Yay! Yay! I just really love, like, Fozzy's whole part that he plays in this episode. And I think it's so lovely that we've kind of moved away from sad sack Fozzy and we're really getting his character now. And I think it's just lovely how he goes along the episode and tries to deal with everything backstage and on stage. And like I said earlier, I love the part where he walks on to the veterinarian's hospital slash at the dance sketch and he's like, oh no. And then he just kind of like backs out again. <laughs> and all his like interactions with Kermit on the phone and obviously with Gonzo. And I just think it's really lovely to see him and like, just see him develop and just, like I say, become fuzzy in this episode so because of that he is my MVMP. How about you Jade? I think Fozzie's really lovely in this episode but I think the character who made me laugh the most was Gonzo <laughs> so I'm mm. going to give him my most valued Muppet performer for this week. Um, I We've sort of touched on it a little bit but every time he came on he had a couple of little one-liners little bits that either made Fozzie's life more miserable or just sort of escalated the the comedy and the anarchy that little bit extra it just felt very gonzo to me that he he was quite innocently sort of just like well what's on stage and yeah fuzzy did a great job of getting the audience to come back and but actually just making things 10 times worse yeah. and i just really like that he had those little bits in the narrative because Again, it just feels like we're building that world, we're building these characters, and yeah, even though he didn't have any on-stage time this week at all, there was still plenty enough Gonzo in there that you were like, oh, we've seen Gonzo this week, like, this feels really good. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Gonzo. How about you, Lewis? Big chicken. Genuinely, <laughs> <laughs> like, fantastic, because it's not, you know, because last time it was just um, Harvey Corman in a chicken yep. outfit, whereas this time... It's That's a big, a big bird. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm giving it to Big Chicken because it's exactly the it's it's the exact thing that we have asked for so many times in musical numbers that are just uh, either twee or dull or annoying. We asked for the anarchy and it came 
bursting through the wall. Birding in. <laughs> Birded. Bird. It got birded right in, uh, right into our sweet spot. Um, yeah, so I'm going for um, big chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I resisted saying big cock. Um, <laughs> until then. Right. All right, let's do our rankings for this week. Jade, why don't you uh, kick us off? Oh, I found this a little bit tricky to rank just because I felt like a lot of the backstage stuff was so solid and I did really enjoy They Can't Take That Away From Me and everything, but there were definitely some moments in it that I didn't find as successful. So I think I'm going to go with six and a half out of ten Naked Sam the Eagles nice. because I think I have to give it up for the fact that the writing feels so solid in this mm. episode with regard to like the narrative arc and the characterizations and the runner. Um, they Can't Take That Away From Me was great. Pick Yourself Up was really cute. Um, Sam the Eagle was amazing. The The birds were really good fun. And the blending of Veterinarian's Hospital and At The Dance, again, was really fun, but also seems to suggest that just how much this writing has moved on mm. since the first season that they're playing with it that much to be able to do something like that is really really great but yeah the the opening i think i could take or leave i know that lewis is a big fan but it it just meh, it was a bit something of nothing um yeah i feel like the diner the diner luncheon sketch just it was just sort of long mm. and repetitive and Burlington, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot today about hankies, but the actual, the actual song, <laughs> definitely You're welcome, done everyone. without. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post the full list on our Muppet Station. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, six and a half out of ten naked Sam the Eagles. And Lewis, I'm going to hand back to you because I also just want to remind you of your outfit of the week, which I don't think we've done yet, or whatever it was that oh you called Oh my god, it. I haven't done my outfit of the week. Ooh, oh, that's, I haven't, god, I haven't given this any consideration at all. Oh, <laughs> yes I have. It's the, it's the, it's um Nancy Walker's top hat and tails. Yes, amazing. Immaculate, lovely. Give it to me. <laughs> Let it out a little. <laughs> Make it longer. Um, what, so actually Jade, you have convinced me uh slightly to to tone down my rating ever so slightly because I think I was so besotted with the writing of this episode, uh the actual narrative, the the final number, uh, and uh the sort of the mix of at the dance and veterinarian's hospital that I did kind of forget actually some of the other weaker parts of this episode, but I still think I'm gonna I'm i I'm gonna make it joint highest of my rankings so far for the season i'm going to give it seven birds on a windowsill out of ten <laughs> the, the pause <laughs> i was like what's coming no, just because i had <laughs> no i think you know I, to be honest, JD, you there is not much more for me to add because you're, you've so solidly uh, set it up that uh, there wasn't really yeah you that you swayed my voting. <laughs> so just get you on a jury. Um, yeah, I think there's some really nice steps forward for the writing here, but it's still not quite hitting the heights of some of those season one episodes where we were just no. like, oh my gosh, this is a joy. I loved it from start to finish. There was still enough for me to sort of you know sigh and slightly look at my phone for a moment <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
which is, you know, but sometimes we've had episodes in the Muppets where I've been, you know, engrossed in the screen. So, yeah. Seven birds on a windowsill out of ten. Emma, what are you going to give this week's episode? For this week's episode, I'm going to give it six fancy talkers <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> I think you both pretty much summed it up for me how I kind of felt about this episode. Um, there are some really great bits and I really love, like I said, uh, Fozzie kind of having his development and his character and all the backstage business. And some of the sort of uh, sketches and songs, especially Nancy's one at the end of Sweetums, was really great. But I did think the sort of UK spot was kind of weak. And also, I was kind of terrified by the the birds and the big chicken suit. So that kind of knocked down my rating. Fear, not your rating. (laughs) Yeah, it knocked it down. Sheer terror. Sheer terror. Um, but I did love, again, the sort of veterinarian's hospital slash at the dance combo. That was great. So, yeah. So my uh, rating for this episode is going to be six fancy talkers out of ten. Marvellous. Just, just on that as well, just having you talk about the episode just made me think as well. Like, without Kermit, this could have been such an opportunity for Jim to do more of Rolf. Yeah. And actually, oh, yeah. we only had him in Veterinarian's Hospital and the UK spot, which is where he would normally be anyway. Well, don't upset Emma more by thinking she could have had more Rolf. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it would have been such a nice opportunity to have more Rolf. Mm. Yeah. Although I did read on uh, Muppet fandom, or I can't remember if it was Muppet Wiki, that apparently Jim had to leave early in the taping of this episode. So I wonder if that's the reason why. Possibly. I it, you've you've teed up my book club very nicely. <gasps> nicely, Emma. Oh, we're going to book corner. Yes. <laughs> it's in the family. A good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got. The bit that's on Muppet Wiki, um, which mentions Of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch and the section that you're talking about, I've got that to talk about. Well, I will read it because I think, uh, again, I think some of their memories have either collided two episodes together or we're actually discovering that they filmed something else for another episode while they filmed this one, which is also entirely possible because obviously, you know, these are sketches and songs and things that unless it involves the guest star could have been filmed at any time mm. so much like us doing these podcasts in advance what date is it now what date is it when you're listening to this who knows <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is jerry jewel talking in in of muppets and mem i remember an occasion when jim had an appointment with lord grade and left the studio early and unexpectedly it was a tape day and there were a couple of hours of studio time left so we just went ahead as usual. The next setup to be shot was a wrestling match, and on paper it looked like a pretty straightforward scene. After 20 minutes, I received a call to come down to the floor. Frank was there with Philip Casson, and they said, do you have any idea how Jim planned to stage this? I looked at the script, and I looked at the set, and all I could do was shake my head. We puzzled over it for a bit longer, then decided that, rather than waste studio time, we'd forget about this scene and pick up some scenes from another show. This show happened to be the one in which Kermit has to leave the Muppet Theatre because he's ill and Fozzie takes over the show. Of course, he can't handle it and messes everything up. Anyway, there was Frank with Fozzie up and everything was going wrong. Suddenly, between takes, Frank looked at me and we both burst out laughing. We were living our own script. So that's the bit that's in the book. But I think that that wrestling scene is the one with 
um, the granny. Yes, from... that's what I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So, Which also explains why it was so badly filmed. <laughs> yes. So I don't know whether, again, whether that's actually that they filmed that when they were doing this episode or whether like Jerry Jewell is just sort of blending Inflating, episodes in, yeah. in his mind. But it is funny to think that Jim did have to leave at some point and it basically all went wrong in the yeah. exact same way as the actual show that they'd written. Art imitates life. Well... On that, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Muppetational. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook. We just recently went viral. You can contact <laughs> us. <laughs> it might happen again. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, if we end up in the Daily Mail again, oh, Lord, yeah. it probably will be about the hankies, let's be honest. Oh my- <laughs> <laughs> you can contact us, press inquiries for hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com. And you can find out more about us and the podcast and the hanky code at muppetspodcast.com. I re- do you want- okay, just before we go. Emma, choose any colour of your choice. <laughs> like, just a random colour, and let's see what it is. Oh, God. I feel like this is fraught with danger. <laughs> it is. If it's really bad, I won't say it. <laughs> we'll cut this out if it's terrible. <laughs> Go, on, Emma, put, pick. Go on, pick something. Orange? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, uh, if you have it in the left pocket, it's anything, anytime. And on the right-hand pocket, nothing now, brackets, just cruising. <laughs> Jade, you choose a colour. Oh my god. Um, Did you do yellow already? Was that like. Well, we did mustard. Do yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Lewis is crying. (laughs) Okay, Jade. Well, if you wear your yellow hanky in your left pocket, it means you are um, somebody who enjoys water sports slash pissing on someone. Oh my god. And you wear it on your right pocket, you are a, and I use the term that it's written here, a piss freak. Just, <laughs> just love that piss. Okay, now Lewis, you ha- I know you've got the, you need to come up with a random colour now. Okay. okay, I'm not looking at it. Um, uh, green. All right. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> green in my left pocket is uh, a hustler, so I'm for rent. <laughs> and on the right would be I'm a John looking to buy a sex worker. So, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us for our Muppets podcast. <laughs> You'd never guess, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jay Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. I believe you've been piss freak, actually, Jay. <laughs> I'm not wearing a yellow hanky <laughs> in either pocket. <laughs> we shall see you next week on another episode of Mummification. Bye. Bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on instagram 
Bunny Show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. <laughs> Baby, you can drive my car. It's gonna be alright.